0: This week, my special guest is Amy Willard Cross, the founder of Gender Fair, which does independent data analysis of companies' gender metrics. Foreign Policy named Amy a global thinker of 2015 for her work on economic girl power. In 2016, she was invited to join the Clinton Global Initiative. Prior to that, Amy created a women's news site, Vitamin W Media, which rated women's and co ed colleges, conducted a rebranding contest campaign for feminism, and co created the Ad Feminism campaign. For 20 years, Amy worked as an editor and writer for national publications in Canada and the US, writing features, essays, and reviews, as well as authoring two books and working on TV shows. In her 20s, Amy developed the first magazine for midlife women for the publishers of Shape. An honors graduate of Wellesley, she maintained the family tradition of attending women's colleges since the 1880s and is named for Frances Willard, a friend and comrade of her great-grandmother's. Welcome, Amy Willard
1: Cross. Thank you. Uh, lovely talk to you, Lorraine. I love talking to strangers and about good things. So <laughs> I'm thrilled to see this on my calendar today. I was like, yay, I have something fun to do. And you chose the long version of my bio, I see. But- well, I just
0: felt like there were so many good things in there. I wanted to share them all. So for our listeners, Amy and I met through a group called We The Change, which is becoming its own organization as we speak. And We in the Change is really about equality of women and furthering the issues that are important to us, seeking gender equality, taking political action, doing all kinds of interesting things. And it was started by the CEOs and executives of certified B Corps that were women back in 2018. And it seems that Amy and I share as one of our core functions, looking at gender equality. It's something that's always been really close to my heart and something that we as a company, Prosper for Purposes, pledged to support as well. So Amy, I wanna learn a little bit. You have a very diverse career. You've lived in New York, you're in Toronto now. You've been a journalist. You've had some really impressive achievements. What led you to start Gender Fair? What was kind of the moment or that domino or that straw that just said something, some company has to provide information and guidance on these things?
1: Ah, well, it's actually many things, really. There was not one sort of light bulb moment, but what I can tell you, one of the first things that made me think about this is back in 2008, I decided to write a story about the women who were elected in the Democratic Party and what industries funded them. There's a, a database where they write this down called Open Secrets. And I looked it up, and instead of listing the top industries that funded the women who won that year, they listed Act Blue and Emily's List. And I realized, oh, women are outside the funding mechanism of politics. This is why we don't have a lot of women in Congress. So that made me want to do something that would forward the idea of forward the cause of women, getting more money to women. Because it's very important to me that we have women In Congress, and that we have the Equal Rights Amendment. I didn't realize there was such a disconnect. Like, you know, the year I graduated from university, it was women were fifty percent, and I hadn't quite realized that the pipeline wasn't so equal. This was like, you know, that was my the beginning of it in two thousand and eight. Anyway, so then I did some, as you said in my bio, I started a women's news site. I wanted to. I was trying to aggregate women because I believe that when you can aggregate women, we can do more things together. So I tried to build this web. I did it. I I did it for years, but I didn't make any money. So, the site Madame and was is trying to bring together women's organizations and create a news source where I could build these audiences. a u w. It didn't work. I only got like five organizations to participate. But the idea was I would be sharing information from these women's organizations and also bringing their membership in to read this news site. And we did great work. We did great reporting. I hired journalists. We had a cartoonist. And one day someone upworthy had my published my cartoonist's original work on their Facebook site. And I mean I paid for a cartoonist. We paid everybody. And back in those days, people were selling advertising to, you know, millions of views. So millions of people saw this cartoon that I had paid for and on Facebook. So basically, they sold my muffin. You know, they took the muffin I'd baked and they gave it to me. And people said, well, that's just great. That's great exposure. It's like, well, that's exposure. That's my product. Someone sold my product and gave me the muffin wrapper. I could have sold advertising against that. Anyway, so that led me to believe that I had, to, instead of I wanted to write about women's problems and do anything, I want to do something to advance equality that data journalism would be the best way to do it. That's a very long answer. I should have given you a better light bulb. No, I think that's a good answer. I think that's really interesting. So I realized that, you know, women weren't having equality in the business world. We weren't getting equal money, and this is a big problem. And we see the results, what American women get from their government. Look, we don't have paid maternity leave. The only G7 country that doesn't. You know, we say we're a rich country, but we treat women as though they were paupers. And so I don't like this idea that women are paupers. And so that's why, even though, you know, I'm not myself like a brilliant capitalist who has an MBA. I feel that money is a big problem in our culture. And I feel that the more, if we're trying to fix gender equality, we have to fix it either with money or changing the equation where money is such an important variable. Sort of women plus money equals the level of equality you get. You know, Melinda Gates has a more equal life than does the woman working at Dunkin' Donuts. Let's just say that. She has more gender equality because she could pay for it as opposed to a low-wage woman working at Dunkin' Donuts. So I think money is hugely important for getting women better situations in business and universities everywhere. Long, long answer. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. But also, but
0: also, what led you to start your business? Because there's so many other things that you could have
1: done. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? I always wanted to start a magazine, actually. So, like when I was little, my best friend and I used to. Count the advertisements of the New Yorker and what businesses they were. Like this is weird. My elementary school, and when I came out of university, I tried to start a college. Rather, I'm saying the Canadian word here. When I came out of college, I tried to start a magazine in Los Angeles, sort of like a Periscope for LA. This is a long time ago. It was sort of like a timeout because I'm way older than you, and I knew that was a good thing. And I tried to. I didn't know anything about magazines, and I tried to start a magazine. So I have tried, and I did a startup with Shape that I they mentioned my bio, and another magazine startup here in Canada. So I do like startups, and. I guess I like creating something new, but yeah. So my husband says it was always my destiny, so we'll see. But I do realize that data journalism, when you're talking about social change, you can write about the problems all you want. But what we're trying to do with gender fair is we're trying to create, yes, it is data journalism, but it's information that I want people to act on. Just as people who you know look for the B Corp certified label, I hope one day people will make their buying decisions based on gender issues as well and the gender fair mark. So yeah, you know, data journalism has the power to change that. And it also has the ability to make money. Whereas regular journalism these days, it's harder to have value for pros when everyone does it, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. And everyone I know is writing, quote, writing, quote, book. They're not. They're just like, you know, they're basically marketing tools. So, and people are blogging. And so when there's so much, quote, content going around, what, where is your value? At least in data has value. It takes, professionals to collect data and professionals to organize it and present it in a meaningful way so that's why i decided to leave more journalistic writerly endeavors and do something that i felt was useful i wanted to be useful to the world actually that's another answer you know we say sometimes what can i give to the world when you're alive and trying to find your purpose and that's i decided that's what i wanted to give to the world
0: It's so funny. My mentor always said, and I've referenced this in a previous episode of this podcast, my mentor always said our highest calling is to be useful. And that when he passed, he wanted Mm -hmm. to be greeted by God and said, well done. And he did pass and he was just an incredible human. And it's such a humble imperative, like to be of service. And yet so few of us think that way that you know we think about what we want and what we want for our families and we don't really think about how can i be of service
1: right yeah yeah i love that you made me cry with that story so i have tears in my eyes i have radio tears in my eyes but this was a spiritual teacher who said this to me too her name is patricia she was at the founding of est and she says to people what do you want to give to the world you know, people say, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to do that. It's like, instead, when you think of it in terms of a gift, what do you want to give to the world? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give information to <laughs> to free women. <laughs> That's what I want to do.
0: Women. We, yeah, I told you before we started today, Amy, that our listeners on this podcast yeah. are primarily women and they're primarily entrepreneurs. And right. so- how can they utilize
1: the data that gender fair has for them? Right. Well, for all women, my message to all women and all people actually is every dollar you have is a vote for the kind of world you want to have. So for women, before you let a dollar leave your hand, whether it's a spending dollar, a tuition dollar, a donation dollar, or an investment dollar... And if you care about gender equality and racial equality, ask what that organization or company does for women and for people of color. So, you know, the answer to that is any woman can go look at our, we have a free app where we publish information on the top consumer companies and a few B2B companies. They can look at that and see which companies are rating on in our index. The metrics are all public. It's all transparent. The ratings are transparent. And you can see which companies do well by women. And I would say, try to make all your purchases. If you really believe in equality, base your purchases on these metrics and then tell the companies that you are buying from them because they do well by women or tell them you're not buying from them because they don't do well by women. Like this consumer revolution of women I want to create is going to take me a long time. I think, you know, I'll probably be dead by the time it's up and running, but- It's your legacy. That's my legacy. I just hope women realize that how much power we have. You know, we have so much power and we give it away. You know, when you think of how many trillions of dollars women spend in the marketplace or in taxpayers and look what we accept we give money to the government and we don't get paid leave. We give money to companies and we don't get good treatment. I mean, some companies are, of course, but most of them don't. And they think, oh, well, we've got, it's not part of their DNA. They don't, especially the older companies, they don't think it's important to have a gender equal environment or company or with leadership and policies and philanthropy for women. And And that's um,
0: even more important
1: now. So research
0: shows that after years of the wage gap between men and women hovering around 17%, there's actually indication that that gap is widening, which is really heartbreaking, I think, to women who care about gender equality, which, you know, starts with rights, essential rights. And one of those rights is to earn fair pay, you know, the same pay that a man would earn. But I also think about like my dad, who raised three daughters, or you know my husband, we have two daughters, and I feel like—and tell me what you think about this—for that switch to finally flip, it's not just
1: women. We've got to get men involved in this as well. Exactly, men are the best champions, of course. And actually, we did some research. This group called ABX did some research for us that we sort of proprietary and publish it. But it said when it asked about who would be more likely to choose gender fair products or switch to a brand that did well by women, men were more likely by four or five percentage points to say they would switch, which is pretty stunning, right? And why is that, I wonder? Is it because men feel like they have more power, that women are tired of it? So actually, it's funny, when you said the word heartbreaking about equal pay, I was like, well, why do not women demand equal pay? You know, there's a way we could fix this. If we had transparent pay systems, like some companies yeah. do, yeah. everyone can see everyone's salary. Well, why not? Why is it secret? Like I always say to people, this is the issue that women care most about: is equal pay. No wonder. That's why we were up in arms when the guy from WeWork got so much money. He was given as much money as all black entrepreneurs received from VC funding in one year. That's again, that's an equal pay disparity. That's like Adam Newman getting the same pay as all the black entrepreneurs from the venture capital the you know sector. That is not equal pay. That is not equality. At least we can see that because it's on the record. But yeah. So instead of having our hearts broken, let's ask more forcefully and have the men ask too for equal pay. It wouldn't hurt them. Why hide how much everyone is paid? It's not a zero-sum game. Right. It's not. So
0: tell me a little bit about how Fair leverages the data that you have to rate the company. So you look at leadership, employee
1: policies, advertising, and philanthropy. Is that right? And diversity reporting has always been part of a score, 10% of the score. So we have these metrics. I didn't just invent them These are based on the UN's Women Empowerment Principles. So we looked for metrics that are commonly reported by big public companies, some that are reported to the SEC, such as leadership, and some that are commonly reported in CSR reports or other parts of their website. Like, I'd like to look for much more information to grade them on, but if it's not published, I can't really, you know, find that data point. So we don't do a survey and ask people to participate. We use journalists to go and track the data and that way you get a better list. So, if, you know, if some people produce these lists of the best companies for women. Well, that's great. But then we need to know where the worst companies are too, so we can avoid them. Exactly.
0: Or put pressure on them to, yeah, well, say, right? Like you avoid them, that puts pressure on them, but also to write to them and tell them why it matters
1: and to take whatever kind of action you possibly can. I love right. that. Right. So, Right, until we were around, I don't think anyone could see which are the bad companies. And I think when I first launched in twenty sixteen, the best press we got was what we did a list. I had a great PR person who died during COVID, sadly. And she wrote a list of the top twenty or the worst twenty, and that got people's attention. Like, who is at the bottom? There's a lot of companies at the bottom that have like zero scores. I can tell you Tesla had a very low score when he first started. Back in twenty sixteen, companies weren't even thinking about this. Like this was really not on very many companies radar, except the ones that really cared. So You can see they've been pressured in the last couple of years, many companies to, you know, create, to make an effort. But often those are companies that are getting hit with like discrimination, law or sexual harassment lawsuits. I'm not surprised when I see like Activision Blizzard, they had a terrible score in our database and our our ratings. And so when I see lawsuits come out of that, I'm like, I'm not surprised when there's no women at the top, all women are treated as though they're at the bottom or all people in a way.
0: Yeah. So what are some of the actions that women can take right now? We'll have links to your books and
1: to download the app. Okay. Actions. Well, here's one thing they can do. There's the app they can look at on our website. We list some of the top companies that doesn't list the brands. Our app lists all the brands. And we also have a Chrome extension that you can get that actually when you go shopping, even on Amazon, it will show you which products are gender fair rated and whether they are, or aren't, it's binary. Like on our app, you get to see a score, a relative score. Is it like, is it 70 or above, which means it's gender fair, or below 70 means it's not. We also have a list for business owners, actually. I can send to anyone who wants me to. I can, I'll can, i send you the link. We created last year of just a list of common business platforms that you would use, such as Zoom or, you know, HubSpot, Hootsuite, and we did gender fair ratings of those. Because, you know, women business owners, it's also a very right. big market. And do we ask these questions like... I use a couple of services where I don't know their gender metrics, like I use this one called Copper or ProsperWorks. And I need to get their gender data and find out whether I should switch to another CRM because I don't really know. And I think I started this before I was becoming someone else in my team started the account, but I realized I don't like to start any account until I know what the gender metrics are like. So you could, and ask that even everywhere you go. So when I go to coffee shops in Toronto, I would ask, is this owned by a woman? you know, it's called Sam James, or it's called uh, Tim Hortons, or it's called, what was the other one, Jimmy's. And no, even all the local coffee shops were owned by men. So this is an easy thing you could do. And sometimes if I'm in a larger company, I'll say, oh, okay, this is a great company. Do you know if it has um maternity leave for women? Do you get maternity leave? Do you have any women managers? I ask those questions when I go into stores, even if they're not on my app.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. People are crying afraid to see you coming. <laughs>
1: No, hopefully not. Then, you know, also some of these people, the other thing is the utility of this kind of work is that it helps other companies do well. Oh, and so another big project we're doing, which is exciting around B2B work is we've built this thing called the Coalition for Gender Fair Procurement that was started by Logitech because companies realize that they actually have massive buying power. So if big companies start asking their vendors to report on gender, we can do this probably faster than if it was all the women consumers. With their, you know, small purchases, $5, you know, shampoo by shampoo. So this is very exciting. We're creating a database, these big vendors like is another company that joined, or Zoetis, Animal Farm Company. Better. So imagine, so they're going to ask all their vendors to take that we have a gender fair assessment that any company, and this is something another your listeners might want to know, if you have a company with more than 50 or 100 employees, they, it might be useful to do our gender fair assessment which leads you through the same metrics that we use in the public companies, and it gives them a gender fair score. It only costs $1,000. It's like a quick SaaS product. And they also get to see a recommendation. So if you don't have any women of color on the board, it'll say, oh, well, here's a resource that helps find candidates for women of color. Or you haven't done an equal pay study. Well, here's a free calculator that'll help you do a, calculate the pay gaps in your company. So they can get all this information just like within a half an hour so we're trying to make it like the way b corp does it very fast very easy accessible and probably even faster than b corp because it's a very rigorous process and what you know wonderfully so yes it is it's wonderful but it's rigorous <laughs> it's rigorous and especially now apparently there's very big lineups to get evaluated or have your there's a group process around that so yeah. in that way i think doing the gender fair assessment we have for small businesses is very useful because People don't see where the gaps are. They don't realize that you could actually do really well. And when we work with small companies, they learn things. Like we did a law firm that wanted to get gender fair assessed. And one of the questions is about supplier diversity. Do you report on supplier diversity? They, they never really thought about that. Or do you do any philanthropy for women's? So this okay. law firm started a scholarship at Pace University. How great is that? Like they hadn't really thought about it before. It's like, well, if you can actually, you know, develop a pipeline, especially of black women lawyers. Why not start, reach into the community? So they did that. So I think that's another powerful way that women who might listen to you or people as might, you might connect with the gender fair data. We also just completed research on nearly over 400 colleges doing a gender fair rating of the colleges. You know, that's a huge amount of money that you spend. That's an investment, college. That's an investment. An investment. And, yeah. right? and why wouldn't you, I know they ask about like, the people want to buy prestige, but you could also make sure you're getting a more gender equal environment before you pay $70,000 tuition. So we're very excited about that and publishing that sometimes in the next two months hopefully. That's great. So where do you see the future of gender fair? Like it sounds like uh,
0: you're expanding, <laughs> you're creating ripples in virtually every industry. Wow. Well, Is there a long-term plan or are you just kind of responding to
1: what you see in the market? Probably a little bit of both. Well, the procurement is actually in the market, and we see this. I tried to do this back in 2018, and no one would—I tried to do it at the World Economic Forum, and I couldn't get a company to bring it to the forum. And now the time has come, and so Logitech brought this to it. But actually, what do I see in the future? Well, I'd like to do this for all sectors, actually. So I'd like to do produce our journalism for the nonprofit sector, because we know they're not doing well, and I think that everyone deserves to see— the ratings of these big nonprofits and how they score on women and racial metrics, hospital industry. Because anywhere you look, it's just, this is a measurement that can, it's a very blunt tool, but it could shine a little bit of light on how an organization is doing vis-a-vis women. So I think every sector should be analyzing itself for gender. And they probably won't, which is why you need journalists to do it. Because no one's going to actually, you know, I always say, people don't want to step on the scale at Weight Watchers. You only do it because you have to. True. So the companies are not going to really want to publish. They're not going to want to say overall how they do on gender. They'll just tell us, oh, we're doing this project on International Women's Day or, you know, we've got a woman and in the And that's not enough. One day a year we focus on women. Right. We know that's not enough. It has to be, you know, fairness. Just think of in your own family, you have to be very fair. When you were talking about equal pay, I was thinking, I always tell people when I give my children pieces of cake, I don't pass the cake plates underneath the table. Each kid sees how much cake the other kid gets. And I think transparency in all these, in all aspects of organized life and family life is a good thing. So I want people to see in hospitals, how many hospitals have done equal pay study? How many nonprofits publish a diversity report so you can see the diversity of their employees? This is all very important if we're trying to get better as a society and become more fair to more people.
0: Yeah. So, as entrepreneurs, if you're listening, this is something that you can consider looking at with either within your own company or in the partners, strategic partners and vendors that you work with, asking them, looking them up on this list, just asking general questions. I think it's so important. You can say, well, you know, like my company, we're all women and, you know, Prosper for Purpose, the entire staff is women, it's 100% woman owned. But For us, it would be like really paying attention, which we do for B Corp certification. But if we weren't already certified, you know, we would start talking to, okay, our printing company, what does that look like? You know, it's male owned. What are the leadership positions? And I happen to know that, but, you know, for a lot of people, they might not know. They might know, well, my rep is a woman. I don't know who owns it. I don't know what kind of PTO they get. I don't know if there's fair pay. What does that look like? So I think these are questions that you can already start asking and then definitely downloading the app and going there. And then it's to me, these conversations, and thank you so much, Amy, because I feel like this is so beneficial. And if you're listening, the links to everything we talked about will be in the show notes. But for me, the value in these conversations, particularly this one, is that you give people a new lens. So If you're nearsighted, you don't necessarily know you're nearsighted or how nearsighted you are. Maybe you know, oh, I can't see very far. I can't see the chalkboard. I can't see very well. You know, things are blurry a block away. But it's not until you put on those glasses and have that clarity that you can see what was out of sight before. I feel like this is one of those conversations. You know, now all of a sudden we have this lens, we have this app. And we can see things that we didn't see before. And when we know better, hopefully we do better. And that's really my hope for everyone listening, that that will be the takeaway today.
1: Right. We talk about gender lens, but we don't even talk about the near side. And I liked your metaphor like that. I think that's very powerful because it's water in which we swim. Yeah. So, you know, these the women at the printing company may not know to ask for more paid time off. They may not know to ask for uh, an equal pay study. So this is great. Do you actually talk to your printing company about these issues?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I love that. That's like very active, you know, consumerism. This is like, you know, I like that in business. I think, you know, we talk about ethical consumerism, like people choosing, you know, be poor certified, baby food and cruelty-free shampoo. Well, why wouldn't you also, as a woman business owner, want to support businesses that are fair to women? If you can't buy from women-owned, of course, that's my best, you know, women are minority-owned. But as our people in the the Logitech Coalition say, he can't not use Salesforce. Like, sometimes a big company has to. He can't get a diverse supplier for that.
0: Yeah, there are times where I always talk about, it, like, the hierarchy of needs, and I've referenced this before as well. So, you know, many years ago when I decided, okay, my kids are old enough, I don't need a minivan, I want a crossover SUV, that has high safety ratings, is a hybrid, and is made in the USA. And guess what? I couldn't find one. There wasn't one ah. that checked all those boxes. Right. And so then within that, you prioritize, well, if I could hit three of the four, which one am I willing to give up? And I think there, for now, unfortunately, there will be those times where this is the only player that really can get my business where it wants to go and my business is making positive impact and the more money i make as a business the more good i can do so maybe my priorities shift and i'll continue with this company that may not have the scores i would want it to because it's going to further the good that i can do so it's kind of like offsetting things right you want huh. that our carbon footprint so It's offsetting the impact in some way. That company doesn't have the impact that I'd want, but there isn't a comparable and I can do more good this way. So I think just really having those conversations with your team or a thought partner, or even in your own head, what am I willing to give up to have a greater impact? Not to make more money,
1: but to have that greater impact. I think those are really important conversations. Wow. But even at, when you're making those consumer decisions or business decisions, you could even ask the question, even if you've got an answer, that answer, the question starts people thinking. Someone at Eli Lilly once said that to me, the chief diversity officer said, you know, it was about including, more black women in our index. And I said, well, there's no reporting, there's no public reporting I can use. And he said, it doesn't matter, just ask, start asking the question. And we did. So we start asking the question, we're building a benchmark now, and there's some, you know, but anyway, so even if you'd ask that would park companies, well, send them a tweet about what's your maternity leave and that that might yeah. have actually that thinking that that would be a message they care about. But yeah, I like that how much good can you do in the world? But well, sounds like you do a lot, Lorraine. So.
0: Well, we I'm try. And it sounds like you're moving the needle in helping people get to where they will have more impact and hopefully influence the brands that we do business with to close that gap not only in wage but in allowing for family leave. Like I know people where the, you know, husbands want to take family leave, but they're afraid Absolutely. to up as well. So these are really important questions and, you know, to be continued for sure. But I thank you so much for coming on today. You gave me things to think about. So I can only imagine what people are thinking, listening to this conversation. It's just really, really powerful and so important right now. But before I let you go... This is called the Prosper Project. So the idea is that we want listeners to see themselves and to get ideas that will help them prosper in their own lives from this podcast. So I always end by asking my guests, what does it mean for you to prosper?
1: Well, for me, and this idea of gender fairness to prosper would be for the gender fair rating to extend to many more sectors in our culture and that it would actually compel more organizations and companies to rise up on our index and do better, just as they did on the HR of the index. If that's prosper for me, if we can create a little bit more fairness, well, actually tons more fairness for women in all sectors, that would make me happy. And there's nothing I want more than that because it makes me sad that there is such a disparity between Melinda Gates gets in our culture and women at Dunkin' Donuts does.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good analogy for people to consider as well. So, thank you, Amy, for being my guest today. Everyone, please check the show notes so you can learn more about gender fair and some of the companies that you might be doing business with and use that to help guide some of your decisions. Amy Willard Cross, it's been so wonderful speaking with you today. Thank you.
1: Nice to talk to you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Lorraine. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless, profitable brand, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.